Good morning, fellowship. Good to be with you. If you missed last week, you missed the long-awaited return of Lloyd. <laughs> he was back from his sabbatical. I'm very grateful for that. And, um, you know, his first week back, he ruined our nativity scenes by telling us, you know, there probably wasn't actually a stable. It, it probably wasn't so much an, an inn that Jesus was turned away from when it says Jesus, you know, there was no room at the inn for Mary and Joseph. It was probably a guest room in the home of a relative. And I actually think he's right on that, but it was funny to lose something last week as we got Lloyd back. But he started this series that we're in these, these several weeks in December called Making Room. And it is our Advent series. If you didn't grow up in a more liturgical church or if you didn't grow up in maybe like a mainline denominational church, you probably didn't grow up celebrating Advent. You, you celebrate Christmas. And what is Advent? Well, Advent is a word that simply means coming or arrival. And it's a season in the, the rhythm of the Christian calendar where we prepare our hearts for the arrival of Jesus. And you might be thinking, well, what does that mean? Because Jesus already came. And, and that's true, he already came. So part of it is preparing our hearts to celebrate and remember the first coming of Jesus. But traditionally, Advent also points us to the second coming of Jesus. And we're preparing our hearts for that as well. So here's the analogy. You can imagine if you got word that a long lost friend, so to speak, someone you hadn't seen in a long time, but you care deeply for, was gonna come visit you. Let's say you never had them in your home, they'd never been to Nashville, you would spend time preparing. You'd think about where they're gonna stay, you'd make sure the house was clean, you'd make sure they had a bathroom and a bed, you, you likely would figure out food. What do I purchase at the grocery store? What restaurants do I wanna take them to? What do I wanna show them around town? You might make up a schedule. You'd spend a lot of time preparing for their arrival and I was thinking about this, how much time we spend on our lawns, and our lights and our trees and our homes and our decorations, how little time we spend preparing our hearts at Christmas time. And so the idea of this series, Make Room, is, is we're asking this question, what does it mean for us to make room for Christ as we prepare for Christmas? And last week's message is what Lloyd talked about. He said, making room for Jesus. This morning, I'm gonna talk about making room for other people. I'm gonna teach a shortened message because at the end of my message, I'm gonna invite up on the stage some of our fellowship missionaries. These are people that are members of Fellowship Bible Church that we've sent to other places around the world. So, you know, in Global Christmas, we're, we're raising money, not just for our global partners, that's certainly a big part of it, our global partners, our local partners, and our fellowship missionaries. You're gonna have a chance to hear from some of our fellowship missionaries today, Nate and Brittany Bruins. And we wanted them to be a part of this because they embody this idea of making room for other people, honestly, as well as anybody I know. So I'm excited to spend some time with them. But I wanna first start with a short Christmas quiz. This is kind of just for fun, but it does connect. I'm gonna put a series of photos on the screen. Each of these represents a bad guy in, in uh, Christmas movies, traditional Christmas movies. These are villains, Christmas villains. I want you to shout out the name of each one, see how fast you can get them. We'll start you with the easy one, okay? Let's put this first one on the screen. All right, from, here's a little, maybe a little harder question. Who wrote the book? Dr. Seuss, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Okay, let's go to number two. Ebenezer Scrooge, right. Well, who wrote this book? 
Charles Dickens, A Christmas Carol. Very good. All right, we've got two more. I want to do these get a little bit harder. Okay, hold on, hold on. Harry Marv, Harry Marv, you got it. Everybody's like, I know the movie, but I don't know their names. That's Harry and Marv. Okay, we all recognize them. And then I've got, I've got one more. For me, this is progressively harder. Maybe not for you, this last one. Anyone know him? You got the movie right. What's the name of the guy? That's it, Potter. Mr. Potter, right? That like mean guy in uh, It's a Wonderful Life. Very good. Okay, let's put them all on the screen together. And I want you to ask, think about this. What do these four Christmas villains have in common. They're all villains. Keep going. Yes, you got it right there. They're greedy. It's, you know, their hearts are small. Like they're either trying to steal or they're trying to keep what they have. They're trying to deny people from having fun, you know, having a good Christmas. It's, it's all this sense that the villains of our Christmas, secular Christmas stories are small hearted, greedy, and stingy. Most Christmas specials, you see the same character, you know, played out over and over again. You got a selfish, greedy individual who needs their heart open. They need just a little bit of the spirit of Christmas, you know, which makes me want to throw up in my mouth a little bit when I hear the spirit of Christmas is, you know, whatever. I'm ruining Christmas movies for you. You know, Lloyd ruined the nativity set. I'm ruining Christmas movies. Merry Christmas. (laughs) Why are all the villains of Christmas movies greedy, selfish people? I think it's this. As Christmas has become secularized, they've whittled it down to simply be about generosity, loving other people. And and they've lost all the theology of it, so that's all that they're left with. And so the, the bad guys have to be unselfish, unloving people because they're the foils of the Christmas spirit. Now, here's what I've realized, though. What the Christmas movie producers don't realize is that Inside that secular idea of the Christmas spirit is an ember of the true theology behind Christmas. Another way to say it is this, as hard as they've tried to take Jesus and the Jesus story out of Christmas, it turns out generosity is the heart of the Jesus story of Christmas. And I want to show you this. I want to show you how it was a generous God who made Christmas possible. So turn in your Bibles to Galatians chapter four. This is our Christmas text for this morning. It's actually one of my favorite Christmas texts, although most people don't think of it as a Christmas text. Galatians chapter four, verses four to five. Uh, Again, it's a shortened message, so I'm, I'm gonna go quickly through this, but we have to dive deep into the theology of Christmas if we ever hope to make room for other people. And I want to explain why I think that that is true. So let me start by reading Galatians 4, verses 4 to 5. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. This is the living word of God for us today. I think this one sentence might perhaps be the simplest and clearest explanation of Christmas that there is. In this text, you find a radically generous God, a self-giving God, 
a God who made room for people. Now, to really see and understand this, we have to talk about the nature and makeup of God. Who is God? You know, we have all these conceptions of God in our heads. But who is he really? What does the Bible say about God? So buckle your seatbelts. This is where we're going to do our, our, our quick, deep dive, theologically speaking. What is the nature of God? Well, I want to start with 1 John 4.8. You don't have to turn there. Luke read it earlier in our worship set. 1 John 4.8, John writes, God is love. Now, most times when you read that, you just think, oh, that means God's a loving being. Like he's loving, like my grandma's loving, or like I want to be loving. That's not what John is saying. He's saying God is himself love. The essence of God is love. Think of it this way. The substance, the makeup, the material of God is love. What else do we know about the nature of God? We know that God is Trinity. You read the Bible, you kind of get this idea of, wow, this, this God is one, but he's three. And you put it all together and, and, the, and there's this idea of three persons, one essence, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. Now I want you to put these two concepts together. God is love and God is Trinity. When you put those two together, it actually starts to make a little bit of sense because love requires an object. Maybe to say it better, love requires relationship. And so think about God this way. The essence of God himself is a community of love. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit have existed for all eternity in continuous community with each other, in continuous relationship with one another. And that community of love, John says, is who God is. Here's what this means. God has the capacity within himself to fully receive and to fully give love. Unlike us, God does not lack anyone or anything outside of himself to be fully satisfied and content. You and I are running around trying to find love. We spend our whole lives trying to be loved and trying to find someone else to love. God is love. Another way to think about it, he is perfectly complete and whole in himself. In the community of love, that is the Trinity. God is perfectly whole and he is perfectly at home. Now, why is it important that we think that way about God, that we think biblically about God when we think about Christmas? Because when you begin to think about God that way, you begin to understand that the very heart of the Christmas story is generosity, but it's a much more massive, much more beautiful, much more powerful generosity than the Christmas movies could ever depict. God is the generous one. God is the one who made room for us. And so you get to Galatians 4, 4 and 5, and what does it tell us? It says, God the Father sent forth God the Son. He sent him away from home. He sent him away from the family, from the community, in a sense. Okay, if you can follow this. Now, how far away from home did the son go? Well, he was born of woman. Think about how alien that is to, to God. 
He was born under the law. Think about how alien that is to God. Why was the son sent far from home? He was sent on a mission. What was the mission? Go to verse five. To redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. Okay, don't, don't let just the, 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 the male sons throw you off here. This is the, the way of talking about human beings, sons and daughters. Now I want you to think about this. Jesus was sent far away from home to bring us back into his home, which is the fullness of the love of God. That's what it means to be adopted, right? To be brought into the family. In this case, the family is the Trinity. The family is the community of love that is God himself. Jesus was sent away from home, a sense to bring us in. And so when we are redeemed by Jesus, we become sons and daughters of God, which means we are adopted into the all-encompassing, all-enveloping love that is the essence of God. So the spirit of Christmas, it actually is generosity, but, but it's just far greater, far, far more profound. It's God making room. It's generous God seeking us, finding us. And even though he didn't need us, so to speak, he desires us to be enveloped into this love. Christmas is ultimately about God making room for us. So what does that mean? Application-wise, what do we do with this? Here's the application. Number one, have you received the generosity of God? That has to be your starting point. Have you received the generosity of God? Now, how do you receive this gift? Scripture says you believe. That's simply as all it says. You believe, you put your faith in. We've talked about this as we've gone through the Gospel of John. We'll continue it when we get back into John in the new year. You believe. You believe it's for you. you. You put your trust in it. You put your faith in it. And here's what I want to say. If, if you've not actually received the generosity of God, you can't actually be truly generous yourself. You can give some money, sure. You can serve somebody occasionally, sure. But in the back of your mind, sometimes... In unconscious thoughts, you're actually trying to get. You're trying to get that good feeling of being a giving person. You're trying to get love, do you see? But if you've received it, if you've been brought into the community of love, Father, Son, and Spirit, you've been enveloped in it, then you can begin to give from what you have received. So number one, have you received the generosity of God, which is offered through faith in the Son. Application number two. Christmas is a reminder to us that we're called to imitate God in his self-giving. We're called to make room for other people because God made room for us. In other words, Christmas was the start of a rescue mission that continues to this day. And, and who's doing the rescuing? Always Jesus, but we are now the body of Jesus. That's what scripture calls us that are in the family. He, 
Scripture calls us the body of Christ, the hands and feet of Jesus. This is how it worked. The Father sent the Son. The Son spent, sent the Spirit to dwell in us and send us to the world. We must imitate God by making room for other people, especially people who are still outside the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Now, in a minute, I'm gonna bring Nate and Brittany up here, but I wanna connect some dots to Global Christmas. We don't just do this because it's a nice thing to do. It's not because the Christmas spirit. We do this because we're called to imitate God. We are sons and daughters of God. We are now in the family with Jesus as our older brother. For all of us who signed our names on that John 3, 16 sign, for all of you, maybe you don't know what I'm talking about with that, but if you believe in Jesus Christ, you're in the family. You are God's. And so now we imitate him. We pour ourselves out. And, and I know what this is like. This is the busiest time of year. How do I make room for other people in <laughs> the busiest time of year? How do I open up my heart? How do I engage with people, honestly, that might even be hostile to talk about Jesus? How do I even deeply feel at rest in my own sense of being loved by God? so that I have love to give away. And so each year here at Fellowship, we, 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 we do what Susan said. We, we turn our attention toward where there is more obvious need maybe than what we see. Now, is it, is it more need? In a sense, it's not. We have different kinds of needs here, but there's something about turning our attention to these places where there are lots and lots of lost people. There's lots and lots of poverty, or you know, depending on our different partners, et cetera. So in addition to our global and our local partners, we support fellowship missionaries. And as I mentioned, these are fellowship members who've been here over time and God stirred in their heart and sent them on a mission. And so I want you to get to know two of them right now. Nate and Brittany, come on up. Let's welcome them as they come. So as, as they're coming out, let me just give you a little bit of background. They'll tell their story more. But for the last six years, they've been serving a, 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 with one of our partners, Stefan Vale, who's in Germany. Um, and Stefan was a part of a church called Mittendren, which they'll explain about. But they've been serving with them. And I want you to hear their story. So glad y'all are here. So let me just start off with the, the, the broadest question. Tell us a little bit about you and your family and your story. Yeah. First, I just want to say thank you for having us this morning. Um, it truly is a joy and an honor. Um, it, it's honestly humbling to be here with you guys this morning, um, back amongst our sending church body. Um, as Rob said, we are the Bruins family. Uh, my name's Nate. This is my wife, Brittany. And those are our kids up there on the screen, Will, Emerson, and Sadie. They're actually right now speaking to the kids in the Learning Center and letting them know what it's like to be a missionary kid. Um, so hopefully you guys will have some good conversations later for those of you who have kids in the Learning Center. Our history with Fellowship goes back many years. Uh, we actually visited back when Fellowship was still meeting in the high school there at Franklin High School, but we've been members here since 2004. Our kids were born here at this church and raised up in this church, and in many ways we have also been raised up in this church on just amazing teaching 
fantastic gospel community. Um, and we continue to grow and learn from those things. For us, we were just living, you know, a typical Williamson County life. I was in pharmaceutical sales. Um, Brittany was at home working part-time, uh, doing consulting from home and being a stay-at-home mom until the fall of 2013 where God just started systematically dismantling our lives and everything that we leaned on um, that wasn't him. Um, and it started with me losing my job in pharmaceutical sales. And he took us on this journey. We lovingly and affectionately call that our desert wandering journey with God. Um, I'd love to say that he led us out of Egypt, but it was really more like he yanked us out of Egypt. Uh, we were not exactly willing partners. Um, and so he used that time to grow in us a deeper dependence on him um, for everything in our lives, for our provision, for our direction, for our joy, for our hope. And that time was so vital um, so that a year later in the fall of 2014, as we took a mission trip to Germany and he started speaking to our hearts and impressing a call on our hearts to go join the work there, we would have the ability to say yes to that call um, without that time with him in the desert. We, we could not have said yes to what he was calling us into. So tell us a little bit more about the word missionary, because it's a word that most of us kind of have some associations with, and I'm curious if you ever thought you would be one. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. I was a kid growing up in church. Um, I would never pray that prayer. God, if you want me to be a missionary, send me. I'm willing to go. I was terrified I was going to end up in a hut somewhere. Um, <laughs> And quite honestly, we, um, early in our marriage, had some great advice from a pastor. And he said, if you want to do something amazing for your marriage, go on a mission trip together. And it only took 12 years and three kids to finally get to the point of thinking, hey, we should probably do that mission trip. I fully take the blame for that. I think Brittany was ready a whole lot sooner than I was. But um, I had in mind what that looked like, what I thought that needed to be. Um, and it pretty much involved digging a well or building a hut somewhere and going and doing something great with my hands and coming back and being like, yes, I did that. And God, man, I was actually sitting right back in that corner uh, at a Saturday night service, back when we had Saturday night services. Um, and God just spoke to my heart to really start changing my perspective of what it meant to be a missionary and do mission work. And he just gently reprimanded me, I guess I'll say rebuked me and said, Nate, I need people to dig wells and I need people to build huts, but that's not what I'm calling you into. It's not what I designed you to do. I designed you to be relational. I designed you to connect at a heart level with people. And if I'm asking you to go sit in a coffee shop in Germany and relate to somebody, I need you to be willing to say yes to that. Whew, that was that was hard to hear. Um, and really, I think what it boiled down to was I had to let go of my own self-perceived shame that I would have telling somebody, oh, my mission work is relating to somebody in a coffee shop. Okay, so one, I mean, one of the little nuggets that, that I'm grabbing onto here, and I hope you caught this, the idea Nate came to realize over time, God's made me a certain way. And being sent simply means seeing my gifts and my makeup in a way that's used by him. And it wouldn't have been Germany. No. It, God chose that for you guys. It could have been here. You could have been sent 
here. Uh, Brittany, I want to go to you for a few minutes, and I'm really curious what it's been like for you to learn how to make room for other people in a context that's very different. Yeah, so I think it's important for you guys to know a little bit about Potsdam. Um, Potsdam is relatively the same size as Williamson County. Um, it is former um, East Germany, um, so it's been former communism. Um, it is known as the atheistic capital of the world. Um, in the population, there's only 1% of that population that would have a relationship with Jesus. And that means that 99% of that population does not have a relationship. Um, um, with him and know what it is to have salvation in the Lord. And so as Nate and I talk about ministry work, we kind of do it in this visual um, with this line, a linear line. And if you looked at this line, right in the middle of this line would be a door. And that would be the door of salvation, um, coming to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And so as you looked at that line, the work that Nate's been mainly doing has been on this side of the door, working with people and doing discipleship with people that have a relationship with the Lord. And when you see them take a step towards Jesus that's out here, it's good and it's worthy to be celebrated. But the Lord asked me to go and work on this side of the line. Um, and some of those people are not even at zero. They're just in the negatives out there. But as I've worked with them, even for them to take one step closer to that door is good and right and worthy to be celebrated. And so with that, he's just given me a heart for connecting the church and the city. And when I use and we use the word city, what we mean is um, interacting with um, people that are unchurched. And so when we, when I, I read this book about three years into ministry, and as I read the book, the author had this small little paragraph right at the end, and it said, what would it look like if we as red conservatives and we as blue liberals were to find common ground and come together and it would fill the God gap? And there was just something about that coin phrase that really just stuck with me. And I just started to wrestle with that and pray through that. What did it look like for me to step into that God gap? What did it look like for me to create connection between the church and the city? And the Lord gave me this beautiful vision of a Frauen book club, a woman's book club. And so I went to some women that I knew in the church and I said, hey, would you be willing to come alongside me and start reading some books? Um, and they agreed to do so. And I went to some women that were inside the, uh, the city and I said, would you be willing to come along with me and, and read some books? And my vision was never to have um, it unbalanced. If anything, there always needed to be more women from the city than women from the church. But I didn't want us just to be a, a bunch of women that got together and read books. There was also an opportunity for us to serve. And so every time that we got together, we would put our Taschengeld, which is pocket change, into, um, into a little collection, no more than $5. And we started to collect that money. And we didn't want to just do something that empowered women globally, but we also wanted to affect women locally as well. And so we took that pocket change and we started looking at micro loans. Um, and so we funded a hair braiding um, uh, business for a woman in Haiti and we supported a, um, a fruit market um, for people that were um, in another location. We also took that pocket change and we donated to the uh, local domestic abuse uh, shelter and partnered with them and then we also took money and we partnered with um, a ministry that's dear to my heart called Alabaster Jar um, that helps women that um, have been in the sex trafficking industry come off the streets. 
And what I saw that started to develop in all of that was this really sweet community started to join together. And when our church plant, uh, Mittendren, when it would have outreach events, we could, as these women, invite the women from the city to join. And what was special about that is that as those women from the city started showing up, it wasn't that they just knew me or that they just knew one other person, but they knew a collective of us. They already had community inside our church. And it's this beautiful thing that the Lord has created to fill this space. And I guess the takeaway for me is that I want to make more room for people that are in the city. I, I wanna live that way that invites people just to come into a really safe place that I can live out my life that uh, encourages them in their own lives, that it lives out the convictions of my heart in such a way that they can engage with the gospel. Like that's where I want to make room for people in the city. Wow. I love how God put that vision on your heart and I love how he made you guys to compliment each other. Uh, the way you describe discipleship, it, it starts with someone almost in a pre-evangelism. You know, it's like, you, I got to get them to a place to think Christians are okay before I can even tell them about Jesus. And it goes all the way to, to some of the work you're doing as a pastor is helping people who are already believers move closer and closer to Christ. Brittany, I want to come back to you. you know, tell us another story. Tell, tell us about maybe one of the interactions you had with someone in the city. So um, another story um, that's one of my favorites, it's something that recently just happened. Um, our church plant there in Potsdam, uh, when, the Russia, when Russia invaded Ukraine, we partnered and did a lot of work to provide support uh, for the Ukrainian refugees that were coming to town. Um, and as we were preparing our house to get ready to move, we were taking a lot of items that we were going to donate um, and give to uh, the, the refugees. And I had taken a bunch of shoes and put them in the box and put them in the back of my car. And to be really honest, I had driven around for a couple of days with those shoes in the back of my car and just not made it to the Ukrainian drop-off center. And so one Monday I showed up and I went to the grocery store um, and, and I did all my grocery shopping. And when I came back out, there was a man who was homeless that was sitting on the curb. And this small, still voice said to me at that moment, I want you to give that man something. And I said, oh, I really don't want to have to go back out in there and give him, get him a piece of bread or buy him a banana. Like, I just really do not want to do that. And the still small voice said, I want you to give him the shoes in the back of your car. And I said, oh, he does not want the shoes in the back of my car. And so I continued this wrestle as I got into my car. I drove home. I continued this wrestle the entire week because the Lord had asked me to do something out of faithful obedience. And it wasn't that he was angry at me that I hadn't. It was just that I had missed the opportunity to participate in it. And so um, all week long, I wrestled. I went to the grocery store on Friday and I was praying that I would see him. He wasn't there. I went in the grocery store, came back out. He still wasn't there. And it was just my sadness that was present that I had missed out. So I get in my car and I backed up. I went to exit and I went the wrong way out of the parking lot, which required me to drive around. And when I drove around, the man was sitting on the corner and I pulled my car over really fast and I got out of the car and I opened the trunk because all of those shoes were still in the back of my car because I had still not made it to the Ukrainian refugee center. And I looked at that sweet man and I said, um, 
may, may, hello, my name is Brittany in German. And he said, hello. And I said, may I, may I give you a, a pair of shoes? Come here. And he said, yeah. And so I brought him to the back of my car and I opened it up and I took the first pair out and I showed him what the size of it was. I said, is this your shoe size? And he said, yeah. And I handed it to him and I pulled out the next pair. I said, yeah, and I handed it to him. And I, he ended up, he's standing there with nine pairs of shoes <laughs> in his hand. And I was like, oh, you need a bag. And so I grabbed a bag out and I start putting those shoes in the bag and I handed him the bag and I reached out and I put my hand on his shoulder and I looked at him and I said, Jesus loves you. And I got back in the car and I just wept. And I wept because Jesus is a story of redemption and he had redeemed my story at that moment and he had redeemed that man's story at that moment. And the takeaway of it is that I want to make room for this space to listen to that small voice and to act with faithful obedience. And that's what I want to make room for. Amen. That's such a good, such a good reminder. What, what I connected to when I heard that story is like, I've had those moments when God said something to me and I just kind of kept going. And, you know, I mean, most of us have. And I've also had stuff in the back of my car for a long period of time that I don't know what to do with. And God connected those dots. And, and then the picture of nine pairs of shoes. What, what a beautiful picture of grace upon grace and just the radical generosity of God that he was able to use you in, in that moment, Brittany. Nate, uh, I, I think I've got a couple more questions for you I wanna ask. The first is this, tell us a little bit more about your role with the church at yep. Mittendrink, because we've been partnered with them for a really long time and, and you've kind of had a front row seat with that. Yeah, um, as Brittany said earlier, most of my role has kind of been upstream, I guess you would say, helping encourage and discipleship people to go out and be those frontline people. Um, what that looks like is I've been part of the leadership team there at the church for years, um, especially as Stefan had, he and Nata had transitioned out into his new role, um, helping this church and these younger church pastors grow into um, their role as, as being now the leaders of this church and take this church from being a church plant into a grown-up adult church. And so... That, that looked a lot different than maybe it did in the beginning. It became more of an advisory role as someone who just asked a lot of good questions um, to help them uncover and, and follow and pursue the vision that God was putting on their heart for that church. Um, I was part of the worship team and one of the worship leaders there as well and heavily involved in the small group ministry and helped leading those leaders. Um, and that was, that was a lot of what I did. That's great. What would you say to someone here who might be thinking, I'm inspired by your story. I'd love to make room for other people, but I don't have any room to make. I'm too busy, I've got too much going on. I would say I understand you completely because I found myself in that same position. Um, I felt my life was out of balance in the time that I was spending with people inside the church and those within the city. Um, and I felt God calling me back to a better balance in my life. Um, but I wasn't sure how that was going to happen. I was really convicted one time. There's a girl that was in our small group. And she said, oh, you guys that are working with the church, you're just always so busy. And you always seem so exhausted. And I can't imagine anybody from outside the church ever wanting to come be a part of this and say, hey, come be a part of my way too busy life to where you have no time for anybody else left. And I thought... Ha, 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 ouch. Like, yeah, that was really convicting. And so we wrestled with that. And I knew that for us to be able to engage 
our neighbors that God was putting on our heart, our not yet believing neighbors, we were gonna have to make room. And that meant saying no to some really good things that we had been involved in there at the church to make room for other people and to engage with them and to invite them in. And so we just had to make hard decisions to say no to some good things so we could really lean into the things that God was laying on our heart. Wow, that's not convicting at all to me. (laughs) Say no to some good things. Like just that idea, um, you know, we have a motto for global Christmas, less under our tree means more for the world. And honestly, I think the most of us, the, the way we probably live that out is I'm, I'm still gonna kind of have the same amount under the tree and I'm still gonna also give too because we can, like most of us can. I wanna challenge you to disrupt that thought. Say, what would it look like if I took that seriously? And not just from a financial standpoint, but what you hear from their story is generosity of life. It's a generosity of relationships. Like, what do I have to say no to to have room for other people? I'm so grateful for you guys, I'm grateful for you sharing. Um, maybe I'll close with this. It's a two-part question. Number one, what's next for you guys? And number two, how can we pray for you? So we, we arrived uh, back in the U.S. in mid-July, and we are here for one year, and we will fly out end of July to head back to Potsdam to continue the work that God's laid on our hearts. Um, While we're here, we've just been reconnecting with a lot of people, family, friends, supporters, those things. We are about to enter into a very um, strategic time of intentionally seeking the heart of God, um, intentionally getting still in his presence so that he can realign our will with his. Um, So you can pray for that time for us. Um, It's we hold it loosely all the time what God's doing in our lives. And he may say, hey, take a hard right during that time. And we're willing to take that hard right. Um, What we've learned over our time is that wherever God is going, that's where we wanna be because that's the best place to be, um, even if we don't always understand it. We're not anticipating that he'll say that. Um, Our our plan is, is fully to head back to Potsdam in July and continue the work, but we're willing and we're open. And so coming out of that, um, we may have some realigning that we need to do in our ministry, maybe some more training that will help us in the next steps that we have as we head back. Um, we've noticed that we've had some holes that have shown up in our um, financial support. And so we need to spend some time leaning into that, um, connecting with people, inviting them into the story and into the ministry that God's doing in, in Germany. And so I would say those are probably our next steps. Um, you have prayer requests that probably also include next steps. Yeah, so I would just add to that. Um, when we return to Europe in July, we will return as a family of four and not a family of five. The tallest and the oldest that you saw in that picture earlier, um, we are going to be, he's a senior in high school and we're gonna be launching him off to college. And so my prayer would be that you'll pray for, I see a mama nodding down here. Um, my prayer is that you will pray for our family as we transition that way and that you'll pray for our oldest son um, as he remains stable side without his mom and dad. Um, The second thing that I would ask is that um, while our kids are over there sharing what it is to um, live life as a missionary kid, 
my hope, our prayer has been um, that it is planting seeds that the next generation of missionaries is being raised up, um, that they are really grasping hold of what does it look like to go and live life very sent in the place in which the Lord is calling me to be. And so I hope you'll pray that along with us. And, and I just wanna share um, from our family personally, just how grateful we are for fellowship. Um, from all of, on behalf of all of the global missionaries and the partners that are local, and the missionaries that you guys uh, support. Um, it is just humbling to be here. Um, yes, we rely on your financial giving, but we also heavily rely on your words of encouragement and your prayers. And so when God lays you on our heart, I just pray that you will draw near to that and pray those words um, and speak those words across the world for those that need that. That's a really good word for us. And we will do that. We would love to pray for you all. Before I pray, I think we've got some information. If you wanna hear more of their story, you wanna get connected with them, and I actually really encourage you to do that, go to that website or you can email Brittany. I get their newsletters. They're some of the best newsletters I get. You know, we all get these email things. Like I actually really read theirs because it's so interesting and fascinating and, and honestly really well-written. So I'm really grateful for what you are doing, keeping us connected to you. So I encourage you to go to broonstribe.com, email Brittany. They'll also be down front after the service. I know they'd love to meet you if they haven't or, or reconnect with you if it's been a while. So come down front and say hello. Y'all have some prayer cards. And then uh, we wanted to get a prayer card in the hand of all of us. We didn't have enough printed. So next week, we're gonna have them here. The other thing we're gonna have next week I wanna tell you about is this global magazine. Now, if you're on our mailing list, you will have received this already. Or if not, you'll receive it in the next couple of days. Uh, global Christmas Magazine. I got, we got this at our family yesterday and just thumbing through it, oh my goodness, I cannot wait to read this. It's incredibly well written, it's well laid out. It features all of our um, global partners, local partners and missionaries. In fact, there is a calendar that will take you from December 1st to December 24th. We can pray for all of them by name and what their prayer requests are. So I guess we're a few days in, so if you haven't opened this yet, pray for the first three mm -hmm. today. Uh, I think you guys are December 19th. There you are, right, right there, December 19th. So we will be praying for you for sure. The other thing that's in this global magazine that I just love is we have a special insert for your kids, uh, Global Christmas Kids. And in here, they get to meet the Bruins family. You guys are featured in this too, which is cool. Uh, there's a recipe from Germany, which I'm gonna have you pronounce. <laughs> okay, you're sure about that? Okay, I'm gonna let her say that word. And there's a German craft that you can do with your kids that I also will let her pronounce. Frobelsterna. Frobelsterna. You too can say hard to pronounce German words. Global Christmas kids, I'm so excited with you all, for you all. Let's bow our heads. I'm gonna pray for them. And then I've asked Nate if he'd pray for us. He's gonna pray in German which uh, I, I was really moving for me in the first service. So I'm grateful for that, Nate. But let's pray for the Bruins family. God, we are grateful that they are part of this church. So glad for their story. So glad that you sent them. I think about whatever date that was that Nate described that they were right here in this room. And I think about there are people sitting in the same seats right now that they were in when, when you stirred and called in them. And I pray that you would stir in more and more of us to live as sent people, whether that's here in Germany and other parts of the world, other parts of the nation, 
we are called to make room for other people as you've made room for us. And so, Father, thank you for their witness. And I, I pray for them. I pray for their family. I pray for these next couple of months as they seek you and they ask for wisdom and rest and restoration. I pray for their son who's gonna be here going to college. Would you encourage and bless him, especially to be away from his family? I pray for the rest of their time that they have here. May they continue to be refreshed and engaged and, and, and trained in all the things that they may need for the next step that you have for them. And we ask your blessing on Nate and Brittany and the Bruins family in Jesus' name. Liebe God, I thank you for today morning. I thank you so much for Fellowship Bible Church und die Leute dieser Gemeinde. Bitte schenke Stefan und Nata Gesundheit und Heilung. Segne du den Rest des Tages und gib uns einen guten Start in die Woche. Hilf uns, diese Woche Platz für andere zu schaffen. Im Namen Jesu. Amen. 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 Nate. Would you tell us what she said? I, I caught a Gesundheit in there. Did I not? <laughs> you, did, you did catch that, yes. Uh, I basically just thank God for this morning, um, for Fellowship Bible Church, and for the people of this body. Um, just ask him for healing and for health for Stefan and Nata, who are laying at home with COVID right now. Mm. Um, just ask him to bless the rest of our day and give us a good start to the week and to help us this week make room for others. Amen. Amen. Thank you for that. Let's stand to our feet. I don't know if you've, you've thought about the flow of our service, but we start with a call to worship. We sing songs. We, we offer our praise to God. Then we open God's word. We hear God speak to us through his word. There's always some kind of prayer or song or response to that. And then we're sent out. And, and, and Lloyd and I use this time intentionally to give us all a sense that we've been gathered here in order to be sent out on a mission. And so I, I want you to receive the sending this morning. As you go, may you be the hands and feet of Jesus. May his name be on your lips and his welcoming spirit in your heart. May you give generously of your wealth and your warmth. May you be quick to smile at strangers and make eye contact with the discouraged. And may God's spirit use you to bring someone home to the Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a good week.